we're one down on this particular podcast. Yeah, we're one down. Yeah, I don't know. Where is he then? Well, allegedly he's on tour with uh, his band or his, uh, well, well, Mr. Harris, of course. So and, he, oh, actually, he did phone me. He phoned me uh, today, actually. Right. And he's just outside Amsterdam. So luckily the producer has stepped into the breach and... Uh, Helping us out with our first podcast of our second season. Yeah, and of course I am busy, of course. Yes, <laughs> yes of course. Yeah, <laughs> well, luckily you are, because uh, you've helped uh, get this, our, our first our first guest of our second series in, and uh, for a guy called Scott, who uh, I believe you've been doing some work yeah, for. Yeah, well, I'll tell you where I first met Scott. Okay. Scott actually... I believe he got in contact with me and um, had a little problem with his steel. Ah. So he brought his steel over and yeah. um, we had a little look at it and uh, between the two of us figured out what needed to be done Okay, and uh, had some parts machined up and fitted it. Cool. And, uh, Scott is a great steel player. so um, Fantastic. Yeah, so we had a bit but of fun doing that. that isn't what he does, is it? Because people are saying, Scott, who is this Scott? Scott of the Antarctic? Scott, who is this? <laughs> who is Scott? Well... This is it. When Scott came back the second time, we got chatting a bit more about what he does. And, yep. uh, well, he absolutely blew me away. You know, he has got a very a very responsible position in uh, in a band, and uh, which I won't mention just yet because you might want to do the big announcement. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, I've, um, I've been catching up with this, uh, this show. Yeah. And um, to say, well, let's just say, if you closed your eyes and you just listened to the music, you would think it was the original artist. I have never, having been in the tribute scene a while, I have never heard a, 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 a replication of an original artist's music as close as rumours of Fleetwood Mac. They are amazing. To say they are the top of the tree is unbelievable. I mean, we've we've had other guests here that have been in very good, brilliant recording uh, um, uh, tribute shows, uh, uh, but these these guys are a level above it all. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable quality, and to have yeah. the uh, musical director in um, yeah. is a real treat and a real privilege for us. On our first uh, program back in series two of our podcast. So I give you Scott Pooley. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here on what is a lovely rainy evening somewhere in the deepest, darkest Suffolk hills or plains or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're actually, Scott, you're in the, well, nearly at the most easterly point because you're you're appearing in Lowestoft I believe well tomorrow. I've got to tell you I did actually <laughs> go for a walk to the most easterly point ah. of the country earlier today um yeah it, it was a it, I wouldn't recommend it but it was it was, <laughs> it was fine yeah but we're, we're we're a day so this is my day off we're in day 63 63 dates into a 64 date tour. wow Wow. So, uh, what's left of me is joining you on the podcast. So, well, thanks for having me, Jack. Much no, thank you. He, it's, it's well, thank you because I mean that is a pretty tough schedule, Scott. That is a wow. I mean, have you have you like been Scotland, Wales, 
everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, using using a song title there very nicely, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we we started out where the band's based out of Liverpool, where I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we we started started um, rehearsing there, and then yeah. we we've been up and down. We went into Scotland fairly yeah. recently, actually. We were, just last month we were in Scotland and. But we we play all over the place now. I mean, since I've taken over the, I joined the band was it maybe six years ago, and there was quite a significant lineup change okay. when I joined. And since then, the band's been slowly building right. to the point where we're doing a lot more high profile gigs, and that's Absolutely. been a really that's been a, a real a real good because you are the musical musical director. Yeah. So what does that tell me? Tell me uh, what does that entail? Because the songs are the song, the classic songs of Fleetwood Mac are the songs. But what does the musical director do? So I mean, I guess my role is a, is a little more complex. But it, it basically, my job is to find find what makes the songs sound like those classic songs. Right. So whether it's using now, Mark will know a lot more about this than I do, but using the right set of pickups to mm. replicate the Peter Green sound for the outer phase position on the Les Paul mm-hmm. to give that quacky, authentic mm-hmm. blues sound for the Peter Green era stuff mm-hmm. to needing to use a Fairlight synthesizer sound for the Tango in the Night era material. Mm. Fairlight, we, we have That's my job is to go in. But I think my job as well is is not even just to find the sound of the original songs. Mm. It's to then transform that into our show. Right. So what we, I mean, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. It's of course. You, when we first, it was really interesting. When I first figured out all the parts to make Little Lies sound exactly like it is with that very famous intro. Yeah. Mm. And we played that through a PA. It sounded tiny. So it really yeah. not very, and I compared it to the original and it sounded very, very similar, but realized I actually, to get it to, do what I wanted to. I had to add some more low end and add some more just in the, in the in the samples that we use and the the programming and stuff like that and that sound design aspect of it. So it's not just really playing your instrument; it's being aware of all of the instruments in the band for all of the songs for all of the sections. It, it, it really is, and it's it's trying to make decisions about how do we have one drum kit that's going to. Do the seventies era material and the eighties, and yeah, you know, the most we do a track on the most recent album uh, in this set as well. So it's 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 everything, and it's what tunings we used on the guitars. What uh, you know, like the the songs we're playing in this set this year that are really into they, because they've never been played live, right? So we're doing uh, Tango in the Night and Caroline, another song for Family Man that Fleetwood Mac have never played live. Mm. So that was an interesting job trying to do a lot of that was slowing down tape machines to give you that or speeding up the tape machines to give you that difference you know different sounds yes um so yeah that's all that's all in my my remit is there a click are you guys on a click for some songs yes for uh, probably about 70 80 percent of the show we run click and that's mainly for media because we have media going behind us ah yeah, the, um, yeah, yeah, and, seen, yeah. and, and, and you, the lights all run off that so that's part of it we we have a little bit of stuff but it's only stuff i've played that can be on 
on right. track. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the stuff that you can't actually do live. So the things that are slowed down or yes. things like we do a song called Family Man in this set. So we have on track boot. So it's like special good. effects. Yeah, yes. special yeah. effects. That yeah. that That's stuff fantastic. will go on track. That, yeah. but other than that, it's sound design and loading stuff in and, and that's yeah. yeah and then it's playing the parts of course of, of course, course. Yes. yeah absolutely because yeah. you play guitar on the show then. yeah so there's there's it's a very similar lineup to Fleetwood Mac so Fleetwood Mac with a five piece on stage we have seven of us on stage because there's two keyboard players and two guitarists right yeah yeah and you need that to cover the amount of ground. Absolutely. Of all, you know, yeah. all these songs go your own way for instance the famous electric guitar solo yeah. And then I'll play the twelve-string acoustic. So I mean, one of the things I was stunned at is how good some of those guitar sounds were. I watched some of the videos on the website, and the the guitar sounds are really, really close. You know, I flicked over to YouTube just to do a comparison. Uh, you know, I was it, it too. Yeah, I mean, we we use. I mean, there's, a, there's so many guitars. It's a bit silly, really, but we've got. We use all the proper stuff. Not not necessarily. We've got the Rick Turner guitar, which is the famous, if you see Lindsay Buckingham playing, yeah, a yeah. guitar that looks a little bit like a violin. Yeah. The show bought one of those. So I play that for a lot of the set. And I play it like him as well. I don't use a pick. So right. I've learned to play like him, um, strumming with my what, my index and ring finger is the way he strums. He strums a bit like Jack that. Bruce. Play. Yeah, I yeah. noticed yeah. that as well. So yeah. Yeah. Lindsay Buckingham strums like Jack Bruce plays the bass in the same way. So they strum... I'm kind of showing the guys in this, but yeah. like kind of flicking motion with, right. with your with your middle finger and your ring finger on your right hand. So I, yeah. I learned how to do that for the show because it wow. sounds different. <laughs> and we've got you know we use a resonator for the chain, but it's not the same. It's just different. You have know, stuff yeah. I've had, but a resonator. Then we got a twelve string Gretsch that I got when I played with Peter Asher. That's yeah, that, that for go your own way and yeah, a bunch of other stuff. So the detail really is. You know, it really is, as you said, is another level. Absolutely. You know. You know. The guys are amazing. Yeah. And, and your singers, uh, Jess, I believe, is the Stevie Nicks. So you've got Jess, there's the Stevie Nicks. We've just got a, a, a new Christine McVie. Yeah, I know that. We had Emily Jervis, who was doing it previously, who plays keys. And that's the thing, is everyone plays in this band. It's it's a requirement you have to play. Yeah, there's of course. no can't just mime your way through a right. gig. It's not not a thing. So we've just got um, Sophie Worsley has taken over from from Emily. Emily had done twenty years on the road, and that's oh. that's a lot of touring. Yeah. And she, you know, she'd done some incredible gigs with a band called Brit Floyd. Also in a similar, they were with the same management company as us, but that's not anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Emily's been involved in that for a number of years. Is she is she a Kiwi? Uh, she was born over there and then has lived over here. So Emily was was doing it for a number of years, but Sophie's just just taken over the role, and she's done. You know, Sophie's done a great job. I mean, yeah. she's come in, she's come in. She's she's you know young girl, and she's nailed it. She's really worked. Yeah, I've never seen someone work so hard for a role in my life. She's she's really been great. She really obviously she really wanted the job. Yeah, and and she's. She's fantastic. I mean, she's a great, great keys player, great yeah. singer. There's all that harmony stuff as well. And, yeah. you know, you, you, I'm, very, as you probably gathered already, I'm quite a precise guy when it comes to arrangements and it, it has to be right. You have yeah. to do yeah. it authentically. That's yep. what, that's it's 
part of what music is to me. It may not be to others, but it, mm. I, I enjoy that. It's respect to the original stuff, and it's. Do you know I couldn't agree with you more? And it's respect to the original material and respect yeah. to the other people on stage. Absolutely, that you're able to give them. So yeah, when your vocal harmony is an R that starts on beat three of that bar and then finishes on beat four of that bar, then it has to be that. Yeah. That's yeah. the way it is. And that's another level of concentration while you're still doing other things, <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's incredible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The really discipline is. of that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, I've, I, I like that. I, I respect you for that because there's not many people would go to that level of detail and I think that's fantastic. Oh, That's, well, that's I think- what makes this band... The exceptional band that it is, absolutely isn't it? that level of detail. I think a lot of people have got better things to do with their time than think about all these things. <laughs> I've got to be honest, but <laughs> you're just doing your job. Well, yeah. well, yeah. well that's why he's MD, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's, I yeah. mean, they're, they're just yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But also, the quality in both the girls' vocals is very close. Yeah, I, it's it's so funny because if you, it is close for sure. But what, neither of them are putting on an accent or putting on. No, they're not acting. A, a, they're a not role. acting a role at all. Of course, you will phrase things differently, mm. and the phrasing is important because that's part yes. of the sound of the song. But the actual um, intonation and the tonality of the voice is not affected. No. That's just the way they no. both sound. And it's weird because, like, Je- you know, Jess, who does the Stevie Nicks thing, she doesn't. If you actually A B the two, yeah. she doesn't actually sound that she doesn't sound as close to Stevie Nicks as, as on paper as you might think. But yeah. put it in with everything else. Yeah. Wow. She does then it, to me. It really it really I does, you know, it really comes through. But, but I get that because actually neither of those girls sounded like they were impersonating. And I noticed that straight away. You know, you could hear that they were just natural with their voices as you say it's the phrasing and putting context with the music that makes it sound well, as close uh, as it does because it's i think the thing yeah. is if you're trying to do the other thing with these i mean you've got like i say where 64 shows we play on this tour if you try and play everything there's you've got to build into a show like that enough wiggle room for certain people that because it, it has to breathe if it's so controlled for everything like we have certain guitar solos for instance that will play the first eight bars is the original solo or maybe it's a fade out or something on the record mm. and then we'll extend it and give either james or myself enough room for mm. maneuver or especially when we're doing like the peter green material for instance mm. I will solo in the start with phrasing cues from Peter Green, but it's not any of Peter Green's solos. It's me playing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to think of. So it gives it. I think it gives it a currency because there's audiences that want to watch that music. They yeah, want to experience yeah. that music live. Yeah. And Fleetwood Mac are not touring now. And there's lots of these great. That's the, the thing about tributes. And I never, you know, I never really thought I'd be be in the role as much as I have been. But people want to watch this material. That's you know, they want to experience yeah. the material. It's great, great material. Song. Yeah. What yeah. a bloody songbook. Yeah. A Fleetwood Mac songbook. Oh my lordy, lordy, lord! This, this, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's wow, 
What a back catalogue of tunes. Because there's only a few bands, really, if you look at it, that have got that many hit songs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That you can't that you can't have enough of there's there's too many mm. to put in one set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Abba and, would be another one, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and like, yeah, Abba, exactly. There's and there's still a load of stuff that's the slightly B side ones that the more the, the the real fans of the band yeah. who want to come and see it and go who know the know yeah, the stuff. I, yeah. yeah. That's the other thing is we have to appeal to the people like that as well as yeah, the more general audience yeah, who that's right. who want to come and listen to Everywhere Little Eyes and Go Your Own Way and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we always try, uh, and that's a decision between the the management and myself to a degree. Is is what what the theme of the tour might be? Are we right. going to like because we've done it before where we play rumors back to back like the record? Mm. So we do the songs in order, mm. right? So you do the album, basically. Yeah, we literally do the whole yeah. album in, in right. order. Yeah, um, yeah, but that, that that poses its own set of challenges. But because you, you're basically throwing all your big songs away by yeah. song yeah, yeah, six yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever, yeah. or songs there's, you, because you've yeah. got so many. How long yeah. is it? How long is your show then? So it's about two and a half hours, I think. By the time we're all wow. all done, two two and a bit. Yeah. So and how long is the is the Peter Green section? So this it it. it it depends. It's usually about f- between four and six songs. This this right. tour, it's four yeah. tunes. Um, we're doing the guy who does the Peter Green stuff in in the show is 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 a musician called Dave Goldberg, who's mm. been in all sorts. Dave played for Chuck Berry. He played keys for Chuck Berry for a wow. couple of shows. He's played for all sorts. Plays with Barbara Dixon and all that. So he's he's. He's in his seventies now, Dave, and he's still with us and and wow. playing. He's and but, still touring to that extent. Yeah, and wow. he's amazing, uh, absolutely amazing. I don't know how he does it. I mean, I'm thirty seven now, and I I can barely keep up. So he's uh, wow. he's really uh, he's really amazing. But yeah, so he does the Peter Green stuff, and it's he's he's just awesome. I love him. It's great, great Hammond player. Yeah. As well. yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. If you are struggling on what to get for the old rocker in your life, how about an old rocker's t-shirt for Christmas? The perfect stocking filler. Buy your old rocker's t-shirt now. Check out the old rocker's website for details at www.old-rockers.co.uk. I'd like to, if we can, turn the clock back a little bit and just to see perhaps how you got started and this sort of thing. Yeah, I'd be, yeah, be interested to know how you, uh, you know, how you got into music. Did you go to college or did you self-taught or whatever? Well, my, my grandfather was a musician. My dad's dad was a military band musician. Ah. So not that I ever played. He played bugle. He played harmonica really well. Um, and he played like military band drums and things like that. So... I guess that was part of inspiration. He had a guitar that was my dad's in his loft. So when he first gave me a guitar to just one day out of random to go and play, that's when I started playing. And I just, I I grew up playing all the old rock and roll records that my dad had learned. So that'll be the day, Buddy Holly, um, yeah, Eddie Cochran stuff. I remember Jungle Rock. Remember that song, Jungle yeah, Rock? Yeah, do. Yeah, where it's yeah. like a, a 12 bar, but with, yeah. where you, you're playing jungle, the... Jungle, 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 jungle The semi-tone rock. up rather than the full tone up. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I learned all that stuff and I guess that's probably informed a lot of my musical tastes. I've never really 
got into much more modern. I always like the the old blues stuff. That's what I. I mean, that's what I carried on doing after that. I was playing. I got into blues stuff. I got into Stevie Ray Vaughan, BB King. Yeah. Um. So I was playing yeah, a lot of blues guitar for a long time. And then, Would that be around Liverpool area? Uh, yeah. So I used to get, but I used to get up with different bands. So I played with. Um, I used to get up and play with Otis Grand. I don't know if you remember Otis Grand. Otis Grand. He had these, he had Otis Grand and the Big Blues Band or whatever he was he was he was called at the time. And he had Jimmy Thomas was the lead singer who sang for. He was the male singer in the Ike Turner review. So of course Tina Turner would be the female singer. Right. And Jimmy ah. Thomas was the male lead singer. He was in his right. probably late seventies then. And he was as fit as a fiddle, Jimmy Thomas. He used to run and stuff in the mornings in his 70s. And he used to sing for Otis's big band with brass. But I used to get up and play with them on some shows. And, you know, he'd get me up and play a, a song or something like that. So what what guitar and that were you using at that time? You know, what- um, I, I played, so I, I got a, a Strat copy when I was 11 for Christmas. The CSL, you remember those? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were yeah. were they Ibanez, vaguely Ibanez manufactured kind of a. But it, it, so I've still got it. So Sunburst Strat, right. it's set for slide now. I put some different pickups and yeah. stuff in it, make it usable. You know. Um, and then I got a Telecaster. I saw someone play just in a local town to me. He had a Telecaster, and I think it may have been a seventies one. Just thinking about yep. how it looks in my in my mind now. But I remember I got so I would have been. Christmas when I was what twelve maybe, I got a Japanese Telecast. They were selling them off. Those now very valuable yeah, Japanese yeah, 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 guitars yeah, yeah. that because for for your listeners who are not a, akin to these instruments, Fender had produced copies of their classic instruments yeah, yeah. in Japan. They yeah. sent a load of their old machinery, in fact, over to Japan because they couldn't mm. run it in America anymore because it was unsafe. Was certainly what I heard. Right <laughs> and. They produced these incredible quality. I think my dad had read about it in a magazine that someone had said, these guitars are really good, and they're mm. every bit as good as the American one if you replace the pickups or whatever. So we got one of those and, sure enough, replaced the pickups. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was probably... So I played that a lot for, for years. I mean, I've still got that guitar. It's my... Yeah. So up until recently when I had my... Whitfield was my main telly. I, and I would use that one as my E flat guitar for in the right. studio. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. so, because so in the studio quite a lot of the time you get different singers or whatever singing in different keys, that kind of thing, and you have yeah. to pick something up for inspiration. Yeah. I go yeah. go back to using that. Mm. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Whitfield there. Yeah. So so Charles Whitfield um, is a, a good friend of mine in the US. Charles Whitfield was Bill Monroe, the mandolin, great mandolin player. Wow. The inventor of bluegrass music, yeah. Bill Monroe, of course. Uh, Charles was his tech for years. Wow. And he started designing and building, and they were completely handmade Fender replicas, basically. He built built them for Vince Gill. He cloned Vince Gill's old Telecast. Wow. He got the really unique neck shape and took all the measurements yeah. and stuff like that. I can't remember. I, I think I may have found, about it, found out about it very early YouTube kind of stuff but right, so. anyway he made me basically a replica and a a level up from the Telecaster I was so what, using what would that be 2005-ish something like that 2007 I want to say yeah, that was okay. right. and I went out to Nashville to go and I'd been out to Nashville a few times so I've got a lot of American fam- family that live in America I should say my uh, my mum has three sisters two of them now live in Canada one in the US right. so I've got lots of cousins and stuff in the US and 
various other American family members and friends. So we'd been out there a bunch. So like right. I picked up the Whitfield in the US when I was staying in Nashville for a while. Yeah. And picked up my pedal steel that you've obviously done a lot of work on, Mark, since then. Of course, in, yeah. Out, yeah. Out, out, yeah. When I was over there in Texas as well. So yeah. I know we're jumping about a bit in eras here, but that was yeah. certainly the instruments. But yeah, Telecasters for me are, are my home base. Yeah. I was telling Mark earlier, I um I bought a, a very, very, very nice Telecaster, an old one recently. Okay. So uh that's that's a beautiful thing. But hey. I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw I on my I I I started in the pandemic a, a YouTube channel and it's actually a really creative experience, but I bought one of those Harley Benton guitars. Oh yeah, yeah. Um yeah. and I took it on tour with rumors. We were talking about rumors, but I told yeah, yeah. we did like four or five songs with that guitar in the show last year because Lindsay used a strat on some songs and yeah. it was essentially unmodified. It had a new jack socket and it was just set up and we showed how to do it. So just tell us about this YouTube because, you know, I've had a, a look at a few of these, but you know, how did you come up with that idea doing the YouTube thing? Um, I mean, golly, I mean, I probably got on the bandwagon about five or Ten years too late, really. I mean, there's people who like Pete Thorne, you know, who who got on there at the right time, and a bunch of other. But yeah, it was a friend of mine did it during the lockdown, and we. I'd been doing a bunch of different. I did a little teaching gig just, you know, to to bring a few pennies in to run the house. So I was lucky; I had some savings from being the yeah. band and stuff. But I figured if I was going to invest in myself and my career going forward, what would I do? Right. Mm. What would be the best way of investing in music, investing in creativity, and actually showcasing what I do? Because this is the other thing is, you know, when I met you, Mark, I was introduced to you as this amazing guy who repairs pedal steels. Mm. Brilliant. But I didn't know you'd also rebuild amplifiers and do electronics and machining, and you can also repair effects pedals and do all this, I mean, I work with valves and transistors and all this stuff I didn't know that you do. And that's amazing, and I'm very, very grateful because I've got lots of broken stuff that he can repair. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But YouTube for me was always about that because I kind of do quite a lot of different things now from the pedal steel playing to the recording side of things, the composition side of things. It's just a very creative platform that's what mm. i found out of it really and mm. it's also there's no one telling me what i can and can't post yes yes and that's very freeing yeah because you know, this is interesting though really because you've got this quite high pressure amazing job uh you know as the md for a, a huge tribute band but you also having to think of other avenues that constantly that you can explore just you know that that's what a musician is about really isn't it you know you're always on the lookout for things and avenues to follow i think that's one thing we can all agree about and probably all your guests will agree about is i don't want to be one of those musicians that relies on a good gig and when it finishes you've Uh got nothing yeah 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 and there's Plenty of our friends who've gone through that. Yes. And I don't ideally want to be one of them. I mean, it's, it happens to everyone at some point, I guess. But and I think as well, it keeps my creativity ticking over. It's all, all well and good playing 
Fleetwood Mac songs for a living, but that doesn't scratch the itch of writing music or I was thinking to ask you, Scott, do, do, do you actually write your own music? Oh, 100%. Actually, I, I, I've i got a couple of new tracks. I'll see if I can play you after we've done this, actually, that are just okay. finished. Cool. I've been working on some stuff. But kind of, I, I recorded it before the pandemic and then we worked on it again. I kind of found it really on my hard drive during the pandemic and mm. worked it out. But we've got, I've got strings on there from the, Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra that I I scored quite a few years ago. There's an instrumental track. There's a vocal track with the strings, wow. um, with a great singer called Trisha McTeague. Um, again, recorded quite a few years ago, but we brought it right up into into yeah. current production, and it's kind of quite filmic stuff. So it's still got the pedal yeah. steel on there and yeah. the baritone guitars and all the old kind yeah. of sounds, loads of tremolo and reverb that I yeah. love. But it's baritone guitar, yeah, man. All, all the nice. All the nice stuff that I, yeah. Anything that goes twang and was built in the 50s or early 60s is fine by me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Even people, Mark. 60s. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, this is interesting because, again, if we go back a little while, the the reason you're able to score out parts for an orchestra, you know, is because you did a degree in music. Well, I did a degree in sound engineering. In sound engineering, right. Yeah, so I was... A degree in sound technology it was. I went to Lipper, so the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. Right. Mm. Try saying that five times. Uh, I'll, I'll yes. a couple of points. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so it, it, Paul McCartney started an institute yeah. for performing arts yeah, in yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. lots of people have, have gone through yeah. those doors. And really, for me, more it was more about it opened up opportunities because of the people you met when you were there rather yes. than – I mean, of course, I learned a lot, but it was – more a vehicle for meeting people that will inform your career later on. That yeah, was, yeah. Very, that was yeah. a really good thing for me. So you studied sound engineering. So I studied sound engineering up to that point. I'd studied, I had a, a couple of great music teachers from like the age of from like high school and then sixth form age. So I had two great music teachers there. One of which was very, he was very into um, Bach writing Bach chorales. So right. Bach chorales, you can't have, they're four parts and you can't have consecutive fourths, fifths or octaves when right. you write yeah. these arrangements. So yeah. I just found that fascinating and started being able to write. I'd always, I've always been able to hear lots of little tunes. That's always yes. been something I'm quite good at is writing instrumental stuff. So it was just a, a variation on that, and we had loads of you know, string players at school that, mm. of course, at that age, don't cost you any money to hear them either. You just plonk something no. in front of them. Yeah, that's right. um, so that was always of interest to me, and just sound. I mean, we all love. I think that's one thing people don't. We all love sound. Yes. Just yeah. whether it's the sound of a Hammond organ or a twelve-string guitar or a, a mm. great different singer or a, but whatever it is, it's just it, it's just exciting. All these different noises that you, you've never really heard, or the it's like the first time you taste a, a new ingredient when you eat food. If you hear a new instrument or a new way of doing something, that's what it's always been to me. It's just so. It's in, so it's interesting, really, because there's a whole bunch of skill sets coming together here. You've got the you know the study of music at school and in the sixth form, the study of sound engineering coming from a what is probably one of the greatest. Well, the, Places you could study. Yeah, I mean the the sound engineering you thing. Know? I grew up 
around the time of the the uh, Millennium Grants. So that was when I was in high school. That was just a bit before. So they built a recording studio on the back of my music department in school. Wow. Hired someone to run it for six months until the budget ran out. Mm. And then there was just a lovely recording studio with a, oh, six, was it 16? Yeah, it was a 16 track console, one of the Soundcraft mm-hmm. ones that you'll yeah. remember from the day, um, that went into an eight channel digital recorder. And we had outboard effects. We had a, a lexicon and we had a, couple of different things and different micro they had a Neumann. They bought a Neumann. They had U87? A, no, it was a TLM one nine three condenser. So it was the one down from the U eighty seven. Yeah. But you know, I was thirteen. Yeah. I had a Neumann to run with. I mean that's <laughs> bonkers, right? I mean it was amazing. And no one knew how to use this stuff. No. So I just I'd read pre or very early days of the internet probably or I'd read in books about Jeff Lynn Mike yeah, you know, the snare yeah. drum in the room, yeah. and him recording the snare at the because Jeff Lynn used to record the snare at a different time than the rest of the song, right. so he'd record hi hats and kick first, and then he'd record the snare compressed through a room mic, so he'd get that sound. Yeah. So I'd just do that and try and find how he did it to get the sound. Wow, that's why I, I I love all that. I was that was that's that's how I got into sound engineering and production and stuff like that. But all those skills are coming together really to make you the musical director that you are today, you know, that's... Yeah. Had you not gone through that process, you know, you might... Well, everything is a journey, isn't it? It is. Everything yeah. is a journey. It brings you to where you are now. Now, obviously, you're nowhere near finished. No, for sure. Um, but, I mean, what I'd like to know, if we just go forward a little bit, um, after you've done the blues bands... Yeah. Um, what did you decide to do after the blues bands? You didn't just suddenly... From the blues bands, go for an audition for Rumours. No, so I was doing, I did some theatre stuff. Yeah. That came out of being at Lipper. I did a show at Lipper where I played mandolin and banjo and they needed like a utilitarian other musician that played lots of different, played a bit of guitar, played a bit of this, that and the other. So I did that. And then I went down, like I said, I lived in London. I moved down when I was 20 for about two or three months a year and did shows. It's Pantos. So oh, we, yeah, but yeah. there was three of us in the pit. We had myself, the musical director was a guy who'd written a couple of songs in the kind of 80s, 90s, and then the drummer was Shaking Stevens' drummer. Ah, mm. right, okay. Chris Wiles, great drummer. Mm. He loved it at Christmas because he could hear himself on the radio, hear himself making money. <laughs> yeah, snow is falling. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's great. Um, oh, Chris dear. is a great character. But there was three of us in, in the band, and we had to make like live underscores for on stage. So I had a, one of those Line 6 Variax guitars at the time. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, still use one, but a different one now for rumours, for all the different tunings and you stuff. You still but use one. Yeah, I anyway, yeah, that's that's yeah. That by the by. But um, I had a MIDI pickup on it as well, so I was triggering samples and we had all sorts of different... Because there was only three of us in the pit. Yeah. yeah. So we'd that. have to try and make as much sound as Poss- humanly <laughs> possible and all yeah. sorts of different noises and sound design and stuff like that. So we did all that. That was that was a lot of fun. I mean, that was a great... I remember moving down when I was 20. The first night I moved into my little room in a house down in, in London, I remember getting on the tube and thinking... You know, having to get my dinner on the way to go to the studio yeah. where they were doing the the tracking, I just yeah. thought it was it was just the best thing in the world. Yeah. I felt like a proper grown up. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like you've hit the big time now. It was, it was so cool, fantastic. Yeah. 
So from uh, were they like the like West End theatres then? No, so I was I was in it was weird. I went back. It was in Greenwich, and I went back. Yeah, was it no yesterday? I went back to to Greenwich to go and just back around all, the, all my old haunts, just for a little a little walk and a trip down memory lane. Yeah, so it was Greenwich Theatre. I did all stuff like that, and then I did a few little West End jobs, but not. I mean, only debt things and in yeah, and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I kind of got into think sequence of things i'd done some recording things bits and bobs here and there playing on different people's records that kind of thing i'd probably start session work you mean yeah session work yeah and i'd started playing pedal steel at that point as well right so that's when so, you started playing yeah, yeah so the steel i'd started playing steel when i was at lipper i picked up so as a good <laughs> really good friend of mine he's the guy who repairs my guitars now Right. He was also my driving instructor. Very, but very odd relationship. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Okay, uh, it's, it's bizarre. Anyway, um, but we kept saying it because we liked all the same records that were coming out yeah, at the time. Yeah. The yeah. the then Dixie Chicks, now the Chicks, and various other yeah. things that were coming out at the time. Yeah. And he was saying, oh, "I think I'll come get one of those pedal steels." I was like, "Oh, I really yeah. want to try one myself." Yeah. And I was the one who ended up going for it and yeah. bought one. <laughs> And I bought, I remember I bought one, sold it, bought another one from the same guy who didn't really know how to play an awful lot. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I was playing throughout Lipper. I produced an album for a country singer at Lipper and played a bit of steel on that for the first right. time. okay. Can you remember who that was? Or? The singer was a girl called Kate. Plague. She lives in the Alamano. She's a lawyer and makes far more money than I ever yeah. will dream of. But <laughs> yeah, she's great. But yeah, it was good. It was so nice because that was the pedal steel. You know, come back to that thing about sound. The pedal mm. steel was a sound thing. I'd heard it. It was familiar. Mm. My granddad, my mum's dad, this was was very into like George Jones, mm. uh, Buck Owens. Yeah, yeah. All mm. those. You know, Mark and I have discussed countless hours about he, the difference is he knows all the pedal steel players I just know the records and oh, say, yeah, right. okay, who's yeah, this yeah. Mark and he'll go oh well that's this person oh. but also let me tell you about that steel and they have this tuning and they do this with their knees and I'm like okay fine great <laughs> wow sounds like a geeking out session there yeah, yeah. very very heavy yeah. geeky right. session um, it's my but, time to leave <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's amazing I love it I, I honestly they I remember leaving Marks from the first time we we met, and I, I was just like, I had to stop and get a coffee because my head was so full of like amazing information. I was just like, wow, I need to go home and like school myself on this. <laughs> this is like, wow. But yeah, the pedal steel thing was a very familiar sound. Yeah, I just I just loved it. I loved the way because you, know, you learn to bend, bend notes on guitar or like you know like the fretless bass thing. Yeah, You're sliding yeah, yeah. in between things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I just I thought it was fast, fascinating. I loved always playing it on different things as well. Mm. And then I started the session work I was doing probably after uni. I started playing on records that weren't country records because there yeah. wasn't anyone in England making yeah. country records really. So what what sessions did you do? Um, I played on a couple of tracks. I don't even know if they ever came out for a band called the Earlies, who were doing like a psychedelicy thing. Um, trying to think i played on later on i played on a a fantastic album by a band called cherry ghost that is still one of the things i'm pro- probably the album i'm most proud of being on mm. it's a fantastic album called herd runners the album is fantastic the songwriting um simon aldred the guy who is cherry ghost right he writes for for liam 
Gallagher and writes for Birdie and loads, like loads of other people. He wrote that "People Help the People." You remember that song? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I know the song. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, 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 well, I mean, yeah. his his lyrics are amazing. His melodies. He's one of the great songwriters of all has time. He, has he me. recently written some of Liam Gallagher's stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's later on how I ended up doing the the Liam thing. Well, that's but, right. Yeah. Um, whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! You just you just dropped a bombshell in there, Scott. Because I'm a massive Liam Gallagher fan. You just just I need to hear this, dear boy. I need to hear this. <laughs> You're talking to the guy who ruined a Liam Gallagher album with a pedal steel on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so a you, recent Liam Gallagher album. Yeah. So it's why is it two? Is it? It's not the. I think he's put one out since then. It's the one called Why Me, Why Not. Oh, so, I have it. Yeah. you got so, it, have you? I have it indoors. So yeah. it's on the deluxe edition of that. It's, I'm, I'm on this. So we were talking before about, and I, I don't mind giving him a, a shout because he's one of the great bass players, Scott Whitley. Or, you yeah, know, you mentioned yeah. We were talking about his... Yeah, I love he, Scott. He played for Big Country and all that stuff. The so animals I, and... Yeah, yeah right. amazing player. So I grew up... Scott's a little bit older than me, and he used to let me get up and play a bit with his bands and stuff mm. like that. And we've always just been friends. So there was Scott Whitley and a keyboard player called Christian Madden at the time. Um, and Christian was also involved with the Cherry Ghost project and kind of ah. got me into that. Mm. And then Christian, through the Cherry Ghost thing, got involved in Liam Gallagher's band. And he he's now Liam's touring keyboard player, has been for years. Right. Great guy. He's. I think he's. He's got a new record out as well, like Hammond organ based stuff. Because yeah. he's a great Hammond player. Awesome. He's one of the great, great Hammond guys. Always right. has been since he was a kid. And uh, yeah, so he called me. I was on tour with Rumours, and he said, "Have you got?" I remember these words vividly. <laughs> Have you got your pedal steel with you? I was in St Albans, walking around the centre of St Albans. I'm like. No, do I do I need to? It's funny, Christian. You know when you when you've got a really good friend and they say words in a certain yeah yeah way, yeah, yeah, and you know it's you're gonna have to go and get your pedal steel. In my case, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like because he's a good friend. Yeah, get, he's a good friend, that. and, yeah, he, and yeah, yeah. he just said it in a certain way. And I'm like, yeah. My poor old dad had to drive my pedal steel down to Western Supermare where we next had a day off. I booked yeah. him a a hotel and. Uh, and as Mark will know, pedal steels are not exactly the smallest or lightest of objects. No. It's not like you can no. just send it in the post. No. Massive, heavy, you know, thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's this track, the the Liam Gallagher track. Um, they, they were doing it in the studio. Simon had written it from Cherry Ghost. Yeah, That yeah. was how that had worked. And they had the... It was pretty much there. They just didn't have... There was mm. something missing from the track that they were, they were looking for. Yes. And Christian... I think had mentioned, I don't, I don't even know how quite I worked after asking, but he'd be a great guy instantly for you guys to get on this. Christian Madden would be fantastic. He's yeah, a really awesome. great, great yeah. keyboard player, great musical mind. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I, I just, I, I put some parts, I did it all remotely. So I did it all, well, so we, oh. like literally yeah, I was yeah. loading yeah. my pedal steel into the tour bus, get to another venue. And they said, cause I put, like I started out cause the pedal steel, as you know, Mark, you've done a lot of remote recording as well. I mean, yes. Mark's a 
phenomenal pedal steel player. I mean, un- unbelievable. Um, he won't get out of this door now. God. Not- <laughs> no, he's... Uh, it's nice to be occasionally appreciated. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm your biggest fan, mate. Unbelievable. Oh, no, amazing very player. Very kind of you to say that. No, honestly, seriously. And likewise, it. you're a great player. Oh, thank and you. And at your age as well, you know. But... But you know, when you're doing remote recording for people, this is a bit... I mean, remote recording, this is where people will send you a song and you put what you think is right on that. So rather yeah. than going into a recording studio like we would do in the old days yeah, before yeah. Yeah. computers, now we have the luxury of you can literally send a, an audio file over to someone and say, can you please record your stuff? And you can yeah. do it so inexpensively now and be able yeah. to send yeah, that back. Can. So yeah. I, I mean, I do a lot of it now, but that's how the Liam stuff was done for me. So I, I did a tracking day where I just laid down some pads. Yeah. And I'd already worked with quite a few rocky type stuff where I would do kind of glide over the top a little bit like a mm. like a synth or a Hammond, that kind of area. So it wasn't mm. not particularly in the immediate production line of vision. It was more the icing, as it were, over the top. But then they... I heard nothing back from it, and I just said, "What did you think of those tracks?" And they they came back and said, "Liam likes what you're doing, but he wants a riff on it." Yeah, I'm like, okay, uh, and they they didn't specify any more than that. I was just like, "Well, <laughs> that's, that's going to turn it from yeah. from me trying to deliberately get out of the way. Yeah. We want to punctuate the vocal in the chorus with yeah. a, a lick." So I mean, I mean, I basically went from the Beatles songbook because it's it's a very yeah. Beatlesy type yeah, production yes, and all of that stuff. That's and it's the Gallagher, isn't it, really? Yeah, and it and it's and that's like you grew up on all that stuff. So yeah, it's absolutely. it's very much influenced with those big sliding parts and stuff. That's what I did. But I and then I put a solo on it. So that's the other thing they wanted a solo. So I yeah. put a fuzz on it and did a solo. Wow! And sent them a couple of things. Again, didn't hear anything back. Really, I mean, yeah. I. And then the album came out, and I was just flicking through on on my phone, and then suddenly heard this track come out, and it's it's very much there. It's yeah. not quiet. No. <laughs> they really, they, but yeah, I've never met Liam. I, he said there was talk of him wanting. So I went to see him in London. They and he was really unwell, and he apparently had wanted to meet me right. to say thanks yeah. for doing the track. But yeah, but I'm going to have to go and listen. You know, I've not listened to that. You did tell me about it. I'm gonna to have to. Is it on YouTube? Yeah, it's it's on I must YouTube. It's on, it. it's on it's on all the all the yeah. streaming services. Yeah, it's a great song. It's called Misunderstood. It's a but again, I for me, the the real joy of it was getting to play with my old mate Christian. That I yeah. I played with Christian since, like I say, I was fourteen. Yeah, and we got to play on another record together. That was the the joy of it because yeah. he's added some great stuff to that track. And yeah. Simon from Cherry Ghost, who's just just a monster who's yeah. just great musical talent. Yeah. Would you like to do more of that sort of thing? I, I love all that. I mean, that's the creative stuff for me is, is really where it's at. And I think that's probably where my, my career is heading. The next stage of my career is more writing and using yeah, yeah. the pedal steel. Mm. I, I've started doing a few more little bits of scoring type stuff and, mm. and, doing uh, sync music for mm. that sync music is essentially can be background music for mm. underneath 
an advert or whatever mm. it might be or various different types of stuff. Mm. I don't really look... I think you're much better at the traditional country pedal steel than I am. I can do it and I love it. I mean, I really do. But creatively, I also really like mm. working with textures and filling mm. the... Using the pedal steel as a palette to do something new with it. I really enjoy and I, that. And I think that's where it's at. I mean, if you if you listen to Paul Franklin speaking, that's what he's doing. He's constantly looking for ways of using the pedal steel with people's tracks that isn't the norm. And he's also a great admirer of that, you know. So I think you are you are right where it's happening at the moment it's in a, what you're doing. It's really interesting. This is really interesting to me, and this is why it's so good that podcasts like this happen. It comes across to me that there's a lot of people in the pedal steel community. It, put it this way. If you're a bass player, there's a lot of people that think there shouldn't be any other basses made than either a Precision from 1962 <laughs> or a Jazz from about 1968 Correct. or 70, maybe, or whatever Absolutely. it is. And, you know, active electronics should be banned. You should never do it, yeah, et cetera. There's a lot of pedal steel players that be- mm. believe that... And I'm the biggest fan of old pedal steel on old old records. Yeah. You will never yeah. beat Buddy Emmons playing Nightlife. You know, yeah. Don't get me wrong. No. But that was a long time ago. Absolutely. And I can't turn up and play like that on sessions yeah. all the time because I wouldn't have any work. Yeah. But I think also because of your background, you know, learning all of those skills that you've learn over the years you will be able to bring something very special and and apply that instrument in ways that i couldn't do because i just haven't got your background knowledge and and your skill of sound your skill of sound is quite remarkable i i i i appreciate that mark and especially coming from a musician like you i i i really do appreciate that and i think the pedal steel is such a I mean, it's such a vast instrument, mm. and that's it's definitely something I want to do more of for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love yeah. to get behind the steel more. Yeah. Um, probably the best ex- musical experience I've ever had has been with the pedal steel, and that was that. So, this is so funny. When Mark and I first met, our mutual friend Sarah Jory, who's an incredible pedal steel player, yeah. Uh, she, She'd off- she'd offered me a gig which I did playing pedal steel with the Halle Orchestra. Right? Okay, yeah. okay. Guess who she'd asked to do it first? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he didn't out trump you, did he? So well, no, I couldn't do it. I, I was, was already playing. No, and uh, I was killing myself. I was beating myself up, but right. I couldn't let down the other people. I'd well, if you made a commitment, right? that's that's right. That's Once very... you, that's that's part of again that. Prof- Fresh professionalism, isn't it? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I'd made a commitment as well. I was supposed to go to a wedding, but you know, uh, you know, <laughs> not your own. <laughs> no, no, I'm not there. no, <laughs> no, uh, not quite. But no, uh, that was yeah. My goodness, but yeah, that was man. Oh, that was the, something else. I would have loved to have done that gig. I went a lot more grey doing that gig. Yeah, because we we got the I got the gig on the Wednesday night. And I'd already booked out 
the Thursday to do a video recording yeah. thing project for a company, oh, and the gig God. was on the Saturday. Oh, bloody it was hell. like it was wow. yeah. And the thing nice. is, you were you were taking Sarah's place, which yeah, they are big shoes. To yeah, fill, and they? Sarah's just a, I mean, yeah, what a, a monster! Sarah's oh. played for who? Sarah played for Clapton, Van Morrison. Awesome. Etc. Etc. I mean, she's at sixteen. She was playing with Buddy Emmons over in I think the Dallas Steel Festival. You know, so at sixteen she was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and so what shoes to fill? You know, yeah. but obviously you've done a fabulous job. So. Oh, it was. It was. That was one of the best pleasures, and it was great actually because I remember getting to the gig, and because I, I had no time to do anything it was just learn songs learn songs yeah. learn songs charts mm. etc and i got to the gig and i i messaged sarah and said and just because her her husband was ill or something yeah. at the time yeah and i said Mark. sarah just so i i, I don't yeah. know i don't know sarah that well i just i yeah. i know we'd spoken a lot in the past i just messaged her to say hey sarah it's scott i'm on the gig and she was so gracious i mean it yeah. was no, she's Amazing. a lovely lady. Yeah. She really is a lovely Would be lovely to get Sarah on the podcast. Oh, wouldn't it be great to... Yeah. If you're listening, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, yeah, absolutely. She's a monster, man. What a, you know, oh, what yeah. a great vocalist, great musical... Yeah. Oh, what, a, what an Very amazing... Very tasteful as well. Oh, you know. super. She did a solo. We did this thing where I, I, I recorded a track, and this was another uh, YouTube thing where we just put the the track out there for people to have a go at soloing over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Sarah did it. My goodness. Like, just, <laughs> oh, I'll just do a single take wow. and just play the best solo you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> Great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that, Sarah. I'll just... Uh, did we yeah. mention the lady's surname? Just so Sarah Jury. Sarah Jury. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I didn't know if we mentioned... She's yeah. played with everyone. She's. I think she's off tour in the continent. I did... She actually phoned me up because she was short of a lead for the Telonix pedal, so... I sent her some bits and pieces, but she's so, you know, she's such a lovely lady to deal with, you know, and yeah. she's so. I think she's on tour possibly at the moment. She is. I'm so, I'm seeing her in August. Yeah. This is the other thing. Mark cost me an absolute fortune when I met him. <laughs> well, yeah, he does that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's really, Trust me, Scott, I've been there. Uh, <laughs> went round to his house and like, okay, that's great. Well, just your pedal steels could do with a bit of working. Okay, great. Okay, we'll machine this and get it sorted. And Mark did the, the most amazing job you've ever seen on my steel. And I, I, I frankly should have charged me three times as much. So, yeah, it was <laughs> Don't amazing tell him stuff. that. No. No. Not, Mr. But, not Mr. Invoice. <laughs> and, and then plug, <laughs> well, they said, oh, we'll just plug it into this amplifier. And it was like, oh, God, that's the best sound I've ever heard. Great. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> not the Goyen amp. No, it's the Telonics um, ah, uh, right, TC500. Okay. Yeah. TCA500. Great amp. Yeah, you know, and Scott managed to find one second really? hand. Yeah, amazingly, so, only a few weeks later. Because yeah, yeah I, I'd been using. I still love. Uh, I use a little Walter amp for my guitar, and mm. I use it for steel too. It's a, a tube great amp. Amps as well. Unbelievable sound. Yeah. The most natural sounding amplifier. Yeah, absolutely. because there's nothing really between. They're, they're based on the old. Oh come on, is it a, a high powered twin? Whichever the early. Early fenders was it? it Maybe even be in a basement, but it, it's basically there's no there's one right. tone knob. Right. Yeah, right. I've had it slightly modified now, so it's got a bass roll off because it's really bassy mine, yeah. and it's got another little tone switch on the back that me and Vince Gill have got on ours just for when you're using like 
more uh, hollow guitars with a little more bass response. But yeah, the little yeah. Walter amps, they use the old style preamp tubes, valves. That's right. Um, yeah. And they're just amazing. They just sound so true. Uh, I mean, there is all quality components in that. You know, they're basically the old designs in a way, you know, but they've obviously they're brand new amps. Yeah. Built with the best components you can get, really, and they are great valve amps. They really are. Sorry, you were. No, no, no. That's I, I was. Just, I, all I was those little water amps. Are they the same amps that John Mayer plays? Or have I? Am I completely wrong? Vince Gill uses them. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. I just wondered if John Mayer. I don't, John, know. I don't know if John Mayer's had one. I know Joe Bonamassa's had one off them. Or yeah. One. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. Who, Vince Gill. Paul Franklin uses them on pedal steel. Yeah. He yeah. Uses yeah. Them uh, Robin Ford is the other big one now. Oh, that's Robin using Ford. Them. Yeah. Robin yeah, Ford's yeah. moved over from using his okay. extremely expensive yeah. Dumble amps and now uses Phil yeah. Bradbury's amps. The the little Walters. They're yeah. really great. Right, Scott, yeah, um, what I'd uh, like to just bring you forward a bit, and because um, obviously uh, you're in Rumours, the fantastic Fleetwood Mac uh, show. H- how did that come about? How did you, did you get a call or did you audition or how did that come about? Um, well, I'd been out, let me think, I'd been out playing for a Canadian musician playing folky, rootsy stuff, Cara Luft, great. Canadian roots musician. Yeah, um, okay. I'd been out with her, and then I was, I got back into. So I, I hadn't done like the say show bands doing playing other people's music particularly. I'd done a lot of those sideman gigs for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, playing for different people. I played for Kevin Montgomery. Do you know Kevin Montgomery? Have we spoken about this? That rings a bell. So Kevin Montgomery, his dad wrote Heartbeat, yes. Buddy Holly songs, and he was a great country singer and songwriter yeah. in his own right. Fantastic voice. I replaced Al Perkins in his band who played Steel for Emmylou Harris and stuff wow. like that. So that was that was my gig. And then, so I've done a lot of that stuff. But that level of touring does not necessarily guarantee you a good income stream. Of course. So there was that conscious decision of, like we all have to do, it's it's the music business. It's not just... Well, it's a business. Yeah, it's, it's 100% a business. So it was, how can we sustain something? So I, I joined a tribute band with Emily who had been in the who was in Rumours well let, ah, let's well to be in Rumours yeah, so yeah, 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 we'd yeah. known each other we met a long time ago I was in her band at university okay and then we kind of kept in touch distantly and then she was doing this Carol King show she was Carol King and James Taylor it wasn't a beautiful one it was <sighs> that, but, she's got a heck of a voice yeah she's wow. she's the most amazing, honestly amazing woman. the way wow. Emily can track back, backing vocals oh. she will literally go yeah, you know, we'll be tracking for not for rumors, but we'll, we'll track for some, you know, doing some session thing or something. And I'll mm. just say, sing the third. And you don't, I can be doing very speed. So we change the mm-hmm. tape. This is, I know this is good, but you, you just throw parts at her and she'll just sing them perfectly. And she'll do the vibrato in sync, wow. beginnings of ends and notes. You don't have to edit anything. It's amazing. And she's, oh, she's unbelievable. Anyway, she was doing this Carol King show. She was taking a brief hiatus from touring with. Um, with a band called Brit Floyd at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. By, I've by, heard of by brief hiatus, I mean she left Brit Floyd. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, so she and then they needed a steel player uh, that could also you know, guitar and steel play. Yeah. There's a lot of it was Carol King and James Taylor. There's a lot of steel on both of those. Right. A lot of both of those records. So so I went out and did that, and then Emily got approached about being Christine McVie in Rumours. Right. 
And they were after a Lindsay Buckingham at the time. But they needed someone who could play the Peter Green stuff as well. So that was always mm. something I could do well, having grown up playing blues yep. stuff, yeah, as we talked yeah. about earlier. Yeah, yeah. My first, one of my first favourite records was I played Albatross and my dad, my dad was a DJ. Okay, okay. His, his, in his singles that we had, I remember A A1 was Albatross and Jigsaw Puzzle Blues was on the B-side. <laughs> I remember trying to learn that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was uh, a bit of serendipity. So anyway, and then, got chatting to, I, I knew them. I'd seen rumours from, because the band's not new. The band's been around for 20, yeah. 25 yeah. years, 26 years. 99 did it start, I believe. I, you, quite on possibly. On my research. You, you, you know better <laughs> than I. Um, <laughs> so I, I already knew, I knew the drummer, Carl's, I knew uh, mm. Alan Carlsgo, I knew Dave Goldberg. We'd, but yeah, we'd done loads of stuff, to Dave and I, for years. We played on records and stuff. And, one of my best pals in the world, and I, I want to mention his name, Etienne Gerard, was <coughs> oh, playing bass. Your bass player? Yeah. yeah. Etienne, I'm going to be best man at his wedding in a few weeks. I mean, Etienne and I go back a wow. long time. So Etienne played for Kevin Montgomery. Ah. Etienne and I have played, I'd hate to think how many songs we've played together in the studio. It's in, a great night. It's in, yeah. It's the pride of Milton Keynes. He'd hate me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, he, he's honestly, Etienne is one of the best bass players. He, he's he's fantastically tasteful, both on Freddie yeah, and Fretless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plays yeah. upright real well. Great producer, songwriter in his own right. I, I, as you can gather, I don't have any respect for the guy at all. No, I I, no, no. Uh, <laughs> as a fellow bass player, I hate him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's he's so amazing, honestly. Yeah, he, he's, I've he's, heard his stars fantastic. He's unbelievable. Amazing. Um so yeah, that was and that was a big draw as well. So it just kind of it all fell into place and they needed someone to do the to get it to sound more they wanted to make it sound authentic and that's mm. where I guess I got involved and used a bunch of my skills. It'd been something I'd wanted to do since I'd done the theatre stuff. It was always mm. something I aspired to that musical directory role because it's mm. Yeah, it's another level and of responsibility as well. Yeah. My dad was always a manager. He was not a creative, but he was always a manager and always mm. into. He was a brilliant people person. My dad and really, really good at that. So it was always combining that yeah. with music was yeah. always interesting. Well, well the me. results speak for itself, Scott, because the authenticity of rumours is unbelievable. Mm. Well, that's that's very kind, and it's it's been great to see it. Since I joined, I mean, we when I I went to see Etienne play, yeah, because yeah. we were so so close, and yeah. I was made up. He got that gig because he, he'd been through a bit of a rough patch with a an, an artist that didn't pay him properly and all that stuff. So it, it was great to hear him get a good gig that paid him a good amount of money, good, and gave him a good a good career. It was yeah. brilliant. I was made up for him, and we went to see the show. And it was in the Liverpool Philharmonic Hall, and they pretty much sold it out. Mm. And now we do four nights, sold out in wow. the Philharmonic since I joined. Wow. It's wow. nuts. And we'll do yeah Birmingham Symphony Hall. We'll do. We did I think three nights in the Cadogan Hall in London this year. I mean the Cadogan it's, Hall. Wow, it's a nice venue. I mean, I think we should do Shepherd's Bush myself or yeah. the Albert Hall. That'd be nice. But wow, um, <laughs> yeah. And we, you, it's just it's so great. We do the Sage and Gateshead. That's an awesome venue as well in the northeast and. We just do. We do a lot of touring internationally now, and it's bringing. I don't. It's Have so, you been to Asia? Has, has rumors been we've to not Australia? Done, we've not done Asia or Australia. We've done South America. We did Chile and Peru. 
and Brazil. That's the other one. Uh, we did a couple of shows over there. And this is our first European year because of all the Brexit yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been really tough, tricky. Yeah. It's been tough for musicians. Yeah, it's been really mm. tricky. But our our management company <clears throat> have been working really closely with, along with another, there's a drummer called Steve Barney who's become really famous, I think, who's who's friends with our, our drummer as well. And we've mm. been working with Adlib Audio in Liverpool, the great PA rental company, have been looking into this whole Brexit thing and trying to get us musicians a way of touring in Europe that's oh, right. accessible and it's much needed doesn't though, require it? lots of visa waivers and it's it's yeah. tricky i mean i did touring like well, we've all done touring in europe where mm. it used to be a an income stream you could go to europe and make yeah. a load of money because you double your money yeah. on the euro when you got back and yeah yeah you yeah, just drive yeah. over there and it was no problem whereas yeah. and you can't do any of that touring now everybody i've spoken to in the music world who Goes abroad, there, you know, pulling their hair. They out. are really pulling their hair. I, out. I think uh, our, our co-host, he's, you know, he said if it weren't for the back and that they've got, yeah, you know, what he's got with Steve and that, he, yeah. they would really struggle. That's the it. same. Yeah. This is this is as well. I, when I w- went over, it was with that Canadian artist Cara or with someone like Kevin Montgomery. It's a much smaller audio. You're talking maybe at the most a 500 seater. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this is a whole different thing. This is take a huge truck full of gear yeah, and yeah. all of that stuff. Well, you've got a full back crew, haven't you? Well, we've, we've got an amazing crew. We've got, and because of all the different guitar tunes, we have two guitar techs. We have lights yeah. that travel with us. We have the media and it's, it's the whole experience. You yeah. know, monitor guy, front of house engineer, sound mm. engineer, we all wear in ear monitors on stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, I use these cosmic ears, so they're made up in Manchester way. But we have it; just mm. keeps everything consistent every night. Yeah. You, and you need it when you're doing that many dates. Yeah, absolutely. When you're doing a hundred plus dates a year, you need people that you yeah. can rely upon yeah. and that know you even better than you know yourself. Joe, our yeah. monitor engineer, great friend of mine, fantastic guy. But he's he knows my in ear mix better than I do, and he will say. Scott, this stage is getting a bit boomy. Do you want me to take some of the low mids out of the bass and the mm. Hammond to make it feel a bit better for you? That's a professional. Um, that's a professional. And, or, or he'll do it. And you say, why is my mix suddenly cleared up? And he goes, well, I just did this. Do you want me to get it back to the way it was? And like, no, it's better. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Yeah. That is level of detail again, isn't it? Isn't Absolutely, it? yeah. Fantastic. It's, you need it. It's, this Amazing. Is, this is what, I mean, this is what, it's 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 big business. I mean, this is. Yeah, why I think you're going to yeah. see more and more of it. Yeah. As all these acts, yeah. I mean, the Stones are just about still going, but that's yeah. the last of that era band, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certainly over the next twenty, thirty years. Yeah, that's right. You're not going to be able to go and see people like that. No, absolutely no, not. No no, no, no. I mean, even Queen, really. You know, Brian May's not. You know, he's. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, oh, you know, my. Yeah. Do you know Neil Fairclough? Yes, I do. Yeah, so Neil's a good pal of mine. He played on some uh, some recordings for me. Um, Neil's, of course, playing with Queen now and has been mm. for years. Yes. What a great guy Queen is. He's another guy you should get on this as well. Neil's amazing. Wow. Yeah, he plays bass for Queen and yeah, Elio Pace yeah. Band. We loved and, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Neil's, yeah, yeah. Neil's really amazing. Long, yeah. Great singer, yeah. great bass player. He came... He, he walked, I, I booked him to do a recording for me. I, I made a solo album quite a few years ago. And Neil came in and, and played. He was supposed to come in and play for the first day. And a week before, he said, Scott, I'm so sorry. I can't 
I just can't make the studio date. I've got this recording to do. Turns out it was only a recording of Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson that they tried to have to yes, get together. Yes, I remember and, that's right. They released that, right? Yeah. Well, well, last it was, year. It was, was, well, it was probably was knocking it? on for eight years ago or something really? like that. That was, that was going on that particular project. But he was so deeply apologetic <laughs> that he couldn't turn up for a it's little professional session. professional again, though, isn't it? Yeah. Super, super yeah. pro. Yeah, my God, there's a track we did called "Keep Your Foot Down," and Neil does this one bass lick at the end of that, and it's 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 sickeningly good. It's great. Oh, he's just I hate him as well. He's yeah. terrifyingly <laughs> good player. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been an amazing podcast. Is I've really really enjoyed this. Oh, me too. I have. And Absolutely. I think we've just got to. I've just got to ask you just really to sort of sum up. Really, I mean, I think you're always going to be in demand as a musical director, and I'm sure you'll always be doing that. But you've talked about a slightly different headspace when you've got time off from doing the rumours thing and that. You kind of switch to a different mood, and you know, doing your own material and working on your own music, working on sounds and that. Can you just tell us a little bit about the other side of Scott Pooley, really? Yeah, of course. And, and of course, guys, thank you so much for having me on. I mean, it's been, it's been great to spend some time with you both. And it really, yeah, it means a lot. Thanks for having me. No, you're it's, welcome. It's, uh, it's, I guess my, when I'm not on tour, I can be delightfully, in many ways, selfish. I can do creativity yeah. and i can i i like making music where i don't have to play in the style of, i've done a lot of sessions i've done a lot of all that stuff and i enjoy it mm. i i love all that stuff but just being able to make music with different sounds mm. or working with new people excites me just trying to yes. re- do something really positive do something I, I like I do like doing the instrumental stuff. I like working with vocalists, of course, as well. But yeah. I think probably a lot of the stuff you'll see me do in the future, from an artistic point of view, will be more instrumental work. Right. I oh, like okay. I, yeah. I, I I love the scoring aspect of things. I'd love to score a drama. I don't know why I've got this head in my mind. <laughs> I, I do, I'd love to do, but like with the pedal steel and doing. Yeah. You can imagine the the. With all the slides you can do with yeah. an instrument like that. Yeah. And using the nice big effects and the delays and some nice yeah. reverbs and stuff like or that. Or film, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, great. Film scores. Film scores. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do to get into doing stuff like that. And it's yeah. it's something I, I'm, I guess I'm gently making in my way into, into the world of doing yeah. more scoring stuff. But I, I, I would love to do that and incorporate, but not lose... Not lose those influences, the the yeah. the stuff that I've been doing for years, and I, I don't yeah. want to lose those same values that I built up using the older style instruments. And you know, I, I don't want to change the way I play guitar just because no. of no. Uh, yeah. Try. I, I yeah. want to do something that sounds yeah. like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do something creative that I can put yeah. my name on and oh, do identity something. on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, Fantastic. and that would be great. And if we can, if I can merge the business with doing something that I can do artistically, that would be amazing. Yeah. But in the meantime, I have to say, even if I can just do it for the sake of artistry. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's really all that matters. So and long as we're making music. Thing, is that, you know, sometimes yeah. you need to, yep. it's kind of like, like teachers have professional development, don't they? You can, in some ways it's a little bit like that, you know, doing a little bit out of, 
you know, things that are out of the norm, you know, brings, you know, more to you in other ways. Yeah, absolutely. It? Well, we're both big fans, and I'm, I'm sure to a certain extent you are as well. Mark and I are both big fans of Vince Gill. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah. And, so, yeah. And Vince Gill said, I remember vividly reading about him joining, when he joined the Time Jumpers, that Western yeah. Swing Band. Mm. He was asked to go and do it, and I think when when John Huey had passed away, he yeah, kind of yeah. jumped in a little bit, and then he actually kind of joined the band for a while. I remember him saying that it was it was not his original stuff, and he had to go and relearn how to go and play yeah. some of these Western yeah, Swing yeah, tunes, yeah, and it was yeah. it was like boot camp for yeah. him to yeah. go and do it. Yeah. I think that's so good if you're yeah. if you. If you're in a career and you want to still develop, I think that's that's really that's fantastic, important. Yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, our previous guest was uh, very friendly with the Finn girl, wasn't he? She yeah. was, yeah. Was I Ariel. mean, Ariel was, you know, she goes to lunch with him once a month, month something like that. And, yeah, yeah. You amazing. Know, and he is a, an incredible guy, you know. And spoke very, very highly. She spoke she? very, very highly very of highly him. Of and actually, everyone I've ever heard talk about Vince, you know, has yeah. had very good things. And to she's say. amazing as well. I mean, let's let's not, you know. Uh, Ariel, yeah. great, great guitar yeah. player, great singer, song, you know, the whole deal. Yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah. She is the real deal. Yeah. She is the real deal. Yeah. yeah. What a, she was fantastic. Yeah. 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 She's just got a magnet, like a magnetism. You can just, she just, yeah. she's just great. She, you yeah. can see it from the minute she walks out. Yeah. It's just got yeah. a, yeah, she's got, got a vibe yeah. about her for yeah, sure. She, yeah. It's great. Well, yeah. It's been a fantastic, uh, podcast absolutely amazing thank you so much for coming along scott we really yeah. do appreciate it it's... well thank you so much for having me guys yeah. appreciate no, it no not at all and and um yeah i mean all the best with rumors I've, you've got a couple of shows left you said to finish well, well we've just got the show in in lower soft because that's obviously the place you would want to finish a tour <laughs> yeah well of course well, of course <laughs> absolutely <laughs> on the sunny side of the street yeah. <laughs> so yes of course yeah it's it's been brilliant and um well, I hope we catch up again sometime, Scott. And and uh, to all our listeners, hope you've enjoyed it. And we just like to say thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Well, Mark. Um, well, that was absolutely amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, that guy, Scott. What an amazing musician, a man. Just an all-round good egg, as we say in Suffolk. Yep, yeah, he is. I mean. <laughs> I mean, the thing that strikes me is the responsibility he's got for that show. Um, dearie, dearie, man. I mean, that would scare me. That yeah, would, that would me, the attention to you know, detail. But you can tell you know, that. You can tell that. If any, I, I urge anybody, not that there's any tickets left, because they sell out wherever, go and see Rumours. Yeah, Rumours definitely. are amazing. And a lot of that is down to yeah. the musical direction of Scott. It's yeah. Amazing. And obviously the musicians that work... With Scott, you know, I mean, incredible. There's uh, girl singers, the crew, the crew, everything. Everything is absolutely top notch in it. The attention to detail, yeah. as Scott was saying in that, yeah, you know, podcast was uh, brilliant. Yeah, so, thoroughly enjoyed that. I think it's a cracking first podcast. I'll tell you what, it? we haven't missed our, our co-host, have we? Have who you noticed who, that? Who was it? No, I, was, I can't remember. His name was S, didn't um, it? I think. Uh, oh, Ebony's. Uh, Eb- Scrooge. Scrooge. That that's was it. it. That's, that's the one. one. Yeah. Yes. A, I wonder yes. how he's doing. Yeah, well, he's been S- dodging the three ghosts, I reckon. Yes, he's sitting in the tour bus all alone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, dear. Wearing his um, T shirt. 
Yes, he has been. Obviously, his newest T-shirt, really. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And he didn't pay for it. <laughs> that's either. what I mean. Anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, it's been we do brilliant. miss him, though. Yeah, we, do we miss did. Him. Yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah. Anyway, we uh, yeah, that's been fantastic. So it's goodbye from me. Yeah, and it's goodbye from me. Did I mess that up? You did. Yeah, goodbye from me. <laughs>